Season 3, Episode 9, Balanced Life. You know, I've shared with you guys that, you know, I have teenagers. We have teenagers, Adam and Jake. And, you know, one of the things that we preach incessantly to them is making sure there's balance in their life. And my husband's always been really good about it, but I had not been prior to my diagnosis. It was something that I struggle, I struggle with, but I don't even know if I realized it was a problem. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You hear I'm still in the mornings recovering from that lovely illness I was fighting. Um, that left my body unbalanced. Um, it's a nice early morning, quiet, peaceful morning in my home. And I really wanted to sit down and talk about this. So, um, I was looking through some of my old journals and I realized March 24th of 2021 was a very big day in my life. It was a day where I had an MRI and I had a meeting with my doctor, which I still haven't met in person, which is really kind of funny is this woman has been such a important, such an important part of my life. And she, I've never met her face to face. I've only met her via zoom, which I'm grateful that that's even possible because driving to UCLA every, you know, so often is kind of a pain in the rear for me with traffic and whatnot. So I'm one of the things that was important to me was quality of life throughout this journey that we're on. And we get on with my doctor who, who I've shared before is very even keel, which when you're in the medical profession, you have to be, you can't, you know, get super excited. You can't get down. You have to run, you know, again, a very balanced life with your patients. And my doctor got online to give me my results. And she was so great in the beginning because she knew how um, anxious I was. Like she would start off right away and be like, okay, and this is how things are going. You know, here's the MRI results. She didn't do a lot of small talk and then go into it. I really appreciated, especially when I was in the thick of things that she would come right out and be like, okay, this is the test results. And then we'll talk about everything else. And she'd show me my, my, um, pictures and my images and it was great. So she got on and she was giggly. And the only other time she did that is when, when I, <laughs> excuse me, when we found out it was my first MRI post-treatment. And they told me that it was, my tumor was either going to stay the same size or grow. And it had shrunk by 50%. This time the news was even better. And she just said, it's gone. That's how she started. She goes, it's gone. And I, I said to her, I'm, 
I'm sorry, I thought you said it's it's gone. I, I must have misunderstood you. She said, no, Sarah, it's gone. There is no visible sign of tumor in your MRI. Paul and I just sat there stunned. I mean, literally stunned. And gratefully stunned. Because in our wildest dreams, we never imagined that that was even possible. Because every, everywhere you read, everywhere, every medical journal you read, every article that you read, every video that you watch, gone is not an option. They never say cure ever. That's never a word I've ever read because they say that it's uncurable. People always want to push remission. Are you, so are you in remission? I don't really think remission exists with cancer because so many times I hear people, they're told that they're in remission and then cancer comes back somewhere else. That's like I've told you, like the one blessing of this particular cancer that I have is it does not metastasize anywhere else in the body. Like that's the positive. You know, you kind of understand, you're like, that's your positive. Yay. But I'll grab onto anything, but it doesn't metastasize anywhere else. It's brain cancer. It stays in the brain. There are other, like, I know there are breast cancers that metastasize into the brain. Um, now it can metastasize like into my spinal column from the brain, but it will not go beyond that. Um, so, I mean, again, like these things I'm telling you, they're awful. <laughs> they're not anything anybody wants to hear. And these are the things I'm told. And then there is my giddy, very, you know, giddy, but normally straight lined doctor giggling on the phone saying it's gone. And when you're given something like that, you almost don't even know where to start. Like, I was given a clean slate. Even though there in the background is that shadow of it can never be cured. You know, I feel like that Satan standing there going, sure, have hope. It's going to come back because that's what, however, you know, 99% come back. Actually, I think the number is closer to 90, 95, 90%. You know, it comes back. But I, I'm not allowing that. I mean, it does sneak in every once in a while, honestly, but I don't allow that to rule my life because there's, there's always dangers out there. There's always temptations out there. There's always, you know, dangerous things that can happen even in the most mundane situation. I mean, every day we get in our car, we're at risk, you know, so whatever, you know, I'm not, it, you've got to live your life. But you know, when I got that, it's like, I sat down and it's like, this is my do-over. My son, my older son plays golf. He's, he plays on the golf team and I mean, he's just obsessed and it's fun to watch him because I'm terrible at golf. I'm awful. Um, which isn't my poor dad who, you know, big golfer, 
my that side of the family is just my dad's side of the family. Everybody golfs. It's so fun. Um, who had a, you know, country club membership for years for in our little small town. And, you know, my brother and I had access to as much of golf as we wanted and neither of us <laughs> play golf. Um, which is funny, but in golf, there's a term, it's called a mulligan. A mulligan is a do-over. You hit a bad shot, you drop another ball right where you're at, you act like the first one didn't even count, and you hit it another ball. And if it's a better shot, then you take that one. And I got a mulligan when I got that news. And I think about it, and I'm like, you know, what does that mean? It's like a second shot at life. And I was working at the time, you know, I was working with a meditation specialist and he said a sentence that resonated with me. And it was that cancer is a symptom of unbalance. Cancer is kind of like the alarm that goes off to let you know something's not quite balanced in your life. And that's why, you know, he taught me, you know, not to hate my cancer. You're not going to fight it. You're not going to battle it. Cancer is something that just signals you. It's like if you're going to, you know, you have a runny nose, that means you're, you know, your body's sick. If you have a headache, it means that, you know, something's unbalanced. Um, you know, if you break something, that pain's going to tell you, Hey, you know, something's not right. Your bone's not right. So cancer is something is unbalanced. There's too much of something. There's too little of something. Um, in my case, it was too much of something. And I remember going back and doing just kind of a checklist of my life and to see where things were unbalanced. And I would tell you, first of all, my prayer life was inconsistent. Yes, I prayed. But not intimately, not purposefully. I prayed because it was something I was supposed to do, or I prayed when I needed something. I mean, I prayed thankful prayers. I've always been really good at that. That's one thing I'm good at. I'm not going to beat myself up. But the intimacy level that I have with God was inconsistent at best. I was not eating healthy. I was eating whatever I wanted. You know, lots of, you know, really yummy hamburgers, fried food, you know. Um, I was certainly drinking way too much. I was having at least one glass of wine every night, pretty much. Um, I was trying to plan everything way far in advance. And if things didn't work out, 
then I would go in a tailspin and freak out and try to, you know, regather myself and, okay, what am I going to do now? I've got to handle this this second, right now. Everything was done in haste instead of just letting things develop. I was allowing anxiety and fear to rule my life. I was letting all the what ifs, well, what if that happens? And then what, what will I do? What's my, you know, what's my contingency plan if this happens? And what if that happens? And it's a really stressful way to live. Sorry for the elongated pause. As I said, I'm still getting over my cold. Had to take a break to blow my nose. Didn't think you guys wanted to hear that over my mic. Um, that anxiety and fear and not trusting God is what the um, result of anxiety and fear are. That's the symptom. Um, leave me unbalanced. I was stressed about everything. Little things that in the grand scheme really don't matter was stressing me out. And I was allowing that. I was allowing that to rule decisions, rule my life, rule my behavior. Getting spun up. And it's been a really long time since I've had one of those freak out moments, but I used to have them a lot. I used to take that stress out on my kids. It's not a good parent. It's not being a good mom doing that. And I didn't want to pass that on to my kids. Like that's not a quality I want them to have. And then stress is, I mean, stress is poison. It's physically poison in your body. I was missing the joy in life, the joyful moments, because I was so wrapped up in the anxiety and the what ifs and the stress of life and allowing that to rule that I wasn't enjoying the joyful moments. Now I'm not saying this is how I was constantly being, but I was, it was happening more than it should. I wasn't giving thanks for the blessings because I wasn't looking at some things as blessings. I was taking advantage of gifts that I didn't realize were gifts. I think, you know, mostly due to stress, I was overlooking the wonderful things that were happening. Love is in the details. I always, my friend Gail taught me that phrase and I just wrap both hands around that because love is in the details. I was missing the love in my, you know, the loves of my life, just the little things. My kids putting dishes away without being asked. My husband doing, you know, my husband, everything seems to be dish related, but my husband folding laundry. When I get home, there's a stack of folded laundry that I didn't ask him to do. And I'm just like, thank you. Wow. That's such a huge help. That's one thing that I can check off my list for the things I want to accomplish today, you know? But I mean, that's love when someone, it's a, chore that I normally do and someone else does for me without being asked taking out the trash little things like that 
Just a hug, just a walk up and, hey, mom. Not a sup. That's my favorite. When my son comes up, wakes up, I call, or I'll call him. Hey, how's it going? Sup. That's the slang term for, slang term for what's up. I do believe it's not existent in any dictionary. I'm sure it's in some, like, what's the one that, what do they call it? The urban dictionary. I'm sure it's there. But um, <laughs> when I get a genuine hug, just a conversation, just something as simple as a conversation with my teenagers. Or they're opening up and talking to me. Oh, grateful. But I was missing that because I was so stressed out about everything else. I was missing those beautiful things. I didn't surrender to God's will. No, no surrendering. I did not surrender to God's will at all. I was trying to control everything. Everything. You know, I go back and I look at that list. I look at that list. I'm not eating healthy, high stress, prayer life isn't in line. Anxiety and fear are ruling. I let the what ifs come in. I mean, it's no wonder that I grew a cancerous tumor in my brain because it was running overload. And especially when I was adding all to that, oh, I'm finishing my master's degree. My son needs heart surgery again, you know, add all that to it. And instead of just pulling away and going, oh, and COVID, add that in there. God's got this and trust in him. I worried and tried to solve it all on my own, which is not possible. Even if his will and my will align, it's not, it didn't happen because of my will. It happened because of his. And that non-surrendering part gets your life so unbalanced. And that unbalance leads to uncertainty and leads to anxiety and leads to stress, you know, and I, I really gave cancer a really wonderful environment to thrive in. And I've been given this gift through his grace and healing to return balance to my life. I mean, I think of a balance beam, you know, and it's like you're tipped all the way over to the side because I'm allowing all this. I, you can't walk on a balance beam when you do that. It seems that balance beam gets narrower and narrower or more narrow the more unbalanced you get. Where when you live that balanced life, you're like walking a wide path because God is leading it. You know, I read the word disease. And when you break it down, it breaks to dis-ease. Dis-ease. And it kind of changes the meaning of it when you break it down from disease to dis-ease. Disease is just our body and mind not being at ease. 
not being in a space of rest and calm. It's not a peaceful state of being when you have dis-ease or a disease. And I want you to take this opportunity because you don't have to go through what I do, what I've been through to get a clean slate. And your disease may not be one that is prominent like a tumor in your head. There are other things that are act like a disease in life that you can make small changes to change disease to ease, to bring peace in your life. And I'm not saying like, you know, they tell you and you like start a weight loss journey. They don't say, okay, this is all the stuff you have to give up and all the changes you need to make. All at once. No. It's very, very difficult to do that. Trust me, I know, because I had to do a diet change when I started my treatment. And let me tell you, I walked in grocery stores and cried for the most great part of the first month or so. Throwing a tantrum like a two-year-old that I can eat anything. I can't eat anything in here. I could eat plenty in there. It was fine. It was just me being dramatic and trying to adjust to a new world. But if you decide to make a small change, just one, just write it down. Just one thing that maybe knocks, that you're not very balanced with. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's your phone. I am 100% guilty of that one, that I waste time. My time sucks. That's what I call my phone. It's the time suck. It's the great vortex that I can lose time in. And by losing, by, you know, doing mindless things on my phone, I'm missing out on doing meaningful things that could shine light in somebody else's life or in my own or bring a connection to God because I'm in the great vortex of my phone. And just find one thing that can help widen that balance beam that you're on in life. Maybe write it down. Just write something down. This is what I did this week. And pretty soon that becomes a habit. I remember reading somewhere that like it takes 17 days for a habit to form or 17 days to break a habit. Maybe every 17 days, every two weeks, just try a little something. Maybe it's go for an evening walk. My husband and I do that. And I don't know. And we still don't, we don't do it as often as we should. In fact, it's been a really long time (laughs) since we've done it. We tend to walk in the morning. But closing out the day with a walk outside and fresh air and just taking on the sounds of the night and seeing the stars come out, even if it's just like 15 minutes, it's such a way to gather yourself after a day of accomplishing things and running around and, you know, just 
taking care of what's on your to-do list. You'll be amazed at how you can return balance in your life. Review them from time to time to remember and to remind yourself how to return to that peaceful state. Because we all get unbalanced. We all do. I do all the time. And it's remembering to take that deep breath, count to 10 and go, look at the blessings in my life. Look at what I have. And when you get that disease or dis-ease back in check, it's literally like a vacation for your soul. You get to smell the flowers. You hear the birds singing. It's like turns into like a Disney movie, (laughs) you know, just, or the ending of a Disney movie. To give your soul that vacation from the worry and the anxiety, because there really isn't anything to worry about. We're not driving this train. God is. And getting rid of that disease in your life allows you to wrap your heart around the joy. I have one um, scripture I'd like to share with you, and it's Second Thessalonians 3.16. And it's, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso, and I will see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear.